student, new life, welcome. Yeah, well, he got me going, and you got me going. Yes, amen, praise God. Well, I'm excited to be here, and it's been a few years since I've been here, but I see familiar faces and grown-up kids now, and uh, you've got your seat where you always sat before. Isn't that the way we get? We said we've got our seat, and we sat before. And uh, just blessed. I'm blessed that we live in America. We have a free yeah. country. We can come freely to the house of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to show you a little bit. I just got back from the Philippines uh, about three or four weeks, three weeks ago. And uh, little by little, turning it over to uh, the Filipino staff that we raised up. And uh, I, I have learned uh, since it's been, it's been um, nine years almost since Galen died now. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's terrible. I can't even remember, but 2011, that'd be eight years, I guess. But uh, it's been a rough road. I, it's just been rough. It's been very tough for me, very, very tough. We were together 24-7 almost all of our married life, and it left a huge hole in me, and it's taken me quite a while uh, to get through it, and I can't say I'm absolutely 100% through it. I still think of him every day, but most widows tell me the same thing. They think of their loved one. But and we're just so thankful, and yes, for the roots that uh, we had here, and I was just going through some pictures the other day, and this was the last church that Galen preached in before he died, yeah. and um, I've got a picture of, we were sitting back there, they had a ta there was a table up, and uh, somebody was taking pictures of us and I didn't realize it at the time but when I would look back at the picture oh you could see the pain on his face and the, uh, the tiredness in his body you could see it on his face that day and uh, so that's something I just wanted to tell you this was the last place that he did really minister uh, from the pulpit and he gave his heart here uh, to you every time he preached you're a good people you're a good, honest people here. Uh, you, you feel it. And I'm sure all your speakers that you have come in would say the same thing, that they feel it. So while I was in the Philippines, like I started to say, uh, we're just training up and raising up our staff that uh, we had. And uh, they're such a, Filipinos are such a precious people. They're so... Uh, uh, submissive to their leadership and I just learned you know I, I went a little bit longer uh, you know the few years there after Galen died but I, I it didn't take me long to see that they're gonna back up from doing leadership things when I'm there but that's respect and that's culture and that's good so little by little I've just weeded out doing that um, you know, if it wasn't for Facebook where we talk every day, that wouldn't be possible because of situations. Um, but keep them going financially, and you keep them going financially. Uh, I don't go as often now, but the money you send goes directly to the Philippines, I guarantee you that. And um, so God has been very, very uh, loyal to them as, he, as he's loyal to us. Amen. So I wanted to show you, uh, we have our annual graduation. And years ago, uh, when we started having a graduation ceremony, it was, um, oh, you know, tell every, 
you know, we'd have a few students that graduated and wear black slacks and a white shirt and it didn't take me long to figure out, even telling, telling them to do that, that comes in all sizes, shapes and, and looks. A white, a white shirt and black pants. You got those that can afford much and you have those who had to borrow from somebody. And so I just said to Galen at the time, if I believe God for finances, can we give them really a celebration for what they have done? We learned uh, many of them, they have jobs and we have night class and morning class and night class. So many of them have jobs that they have to scurry to after the morning class, the night class. Many of them work 10 hours a day and then they come straight to the school. Uh, and uh, so we just learned, I said, can't we just give them, let's just, you know, we talk about how good God is and how he wants to, let's put up or shut up, I said. Let's give them the best. And God has been faithful, very, very faithful to give just a good wad of money to us when we start getting ready. So I want to show a video clip that I just got this morning on Facebook from my guys. A graduation was last week. I had a special speaker there who's gone many times, Reverend Ray uh, Bench, a very godly man. And um, it's just, you know, you have different people go and they just don't gel, you know. So uh, they know it and I know it and the students know it. So usually they don't go back again and nobody's feelings are hurt by it. But then you've got those that disconnect. And Reverend Ray Bench has been there quite a few different times now. And uh, he just really blessed him. And so he was the special speaker that year. But we ha I wanted to get on all the excitement because now I get nice clothes made for all of them. We have nice program. Um, we, we rent a beautiful banquet hall, uh, you know, and we just give them the finest that we can. And so uh, I wanted to get in on the excitement of that, the clothes being prepared. And then they always do a going away party for visitors, me as well. And, uh, oh, they, they do a fun night before graduation, all of the, the glitz and the glitter and act, acting appropriately and properly. I said, let's just give them a nice fun party. So they do a nice fun party before that. So I want to show you this clip. I don't know how long it is, and uh, I'm not sure what all is in it, but I think it's going to be, uh, uh, it, it's about that night. It's a good, uh, we had a videographer that did a good job. I, I looked at like two seconds of it, and I thought, ah, perfect. So you can get me going there. And if it gets too long, I'll just say shut it down. But... <laughs> the place where it was and they're excited. I have a lot of alumni that come and help us. made a promise to God about a year ago and the apostle said that's wonderful now you must do what you promised God that you would do 
when you when you desire to do it. I'm hearing your phone, not just because of being an honor student, but also a representative of Persia Supernatural Health. Learnings and insights we have from SMTI, CFMM will be meaningless if we will not be able to put it into practice. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God knows that we give our very best to finish this course even though we have our own excuses in life but we fight the good fight we kept the, the faith and we finish the course Amen It's easy to start it's harder to stay but God needs people who are willing to stay. Amen. That's my challenge to you tonight. That's my challenge to all of the alumni. Pick yourself back up if life has knocked you down. Remember, Let her. the Lord pull you back up into the boat. And this time when you get out on the water, don't just start, but stay in faith. Stay in faith when everything says this won't work, but still I believe. When everybody else says you're a crazy man, and but still I believe. When everybody else says, you know, this is this, your, your church, your pastor, nobody else is doing this. That's all right. I'm going to do what God Almighty has called for me to do. I should have watched that before. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could tell you amazing stories about so many of them, but I have a lot of other things I want to talk about. But the uh, lady I kept saying, remember that older lady. We had the two older ladies there. And not everybody is in poverty in the Philippines, I guarantee you. Uh, she has six children. Three of them are attorneys. One's a judge. The other one is uh, a real biggie in, in uh, Manila in the government and she herself just didn't take the bar exam but other than that she's an attorney herself and uh, but yet she knew 
that without God, she's still nothing and has nothing. The older, other older lady who was one of the, the um, uh, ones that spoke, we have honor, first, second, third year honor students. She was one of the honor students. She also is a very, very wealthy lady. So it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor in our country or their country. We need God. Amen. We know that we have a God-shaped hole in our heart, that we need him. We need him to fulfill, uh, not only fulfill our lives, but, but to complete our lives. We need him in every area. And just watching that just brings back so many, many memories, even in the glancing in the audience, ones that I knew at once, you know, were students way back 21 years ago. We, there were some alumni there from 21 years ago who have gone on with their life. Many, many pastors were in there. So that's a part of what you are a part of, you. And we, call, we always called uh, the people that hook up with us investors because that's what you're doing. You're investing in the kingdom of God. And uh, I just like that word, investor. That was a good word. So amen. I could continue talking on that, but I've got a lot of other things in my heart. And I'll tell you, you just got me fired up about the Holy Ghost today. And I don't know, somewhere, either I was reading a message wrong or something, but I thought it was Pastor's Appreciation Day. Is it? Okay. Uh, it, it is here. I, I, okay, so I got thumbs up on that. So, uh, okay, so I have the message for that too. Uh, but um, I, I just like uh, hearing about the infilling of the Holy Ghost a little bit. I just want to expound on that a little bit. You know, a lot of times um, we've all seen it. We've all been a part of it. We can't help it that our bodies get emotional sometimes, and we do, you know. And then there's the, the crowd of people that, oh, I don't want any of that emotionalism, you know. So then they, they uh, move away from that. And then you've got those that... Uh, are on the opposite end of it. I got to have the emotion or, or it's not God. Well, none of that is true. We are people of emotions. And when God begins to move in us, sometimes all kinds of emotions come out. And the body of Christ, who are filled with the Holy Ghost, understand that. And they realize that. But just, it just stirred in my heart this morning a little bit that because I've done some teaching, quite a bit of teaching. I like to talk about the infilling, the baptism, the Holy Ghost. A lot of people misunderstand and they just uh, maybe only just partake of the, oh, they just go, and then, you know, they don't understand. You know, once we get over, the, just the fullness begins to pour out of us like that. There's much more about life in the Holy Ghost and that he begins to work in us. He begins to stir in us the word of God like nothing else will stir. The Holy Ghost will stir in us. And when we were filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that baptism is our prayer language begins to come out. Now we might stifle it, and we might be, you know, someone might come to the altar and let's pray with them. They want to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, at that time, they said, well, I didn't, I, didn't get the, uh, I didn't get the Holy Spirit. Well, you did, but there's in you. So when you go home tonight, I tell people, when you go home tonight, you just keep thinking about it and say, Lord, if you fill me with the Holy Ghost, I, I know that the evidence is that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost and I have a prayer language. Where is that? How I remember many, many years ago was in a little town, Miami, Oklahoma, in a, 
Pentecostal church, big Pentecostal church. We had a gospel group in the 70s and that's what I thought we were gonna do the rest of our life. We were the front group for the Imperials once and we were gonna get a bus and do it. Uh, but anyway, so we were at this big, uh, big Assembly of God church. And uh, oh, I'll tell you, it was just a fiery night. You could just feel it, you know. In fact, we were staying with an older couple and they said, I feel a rumbling in the bushes tonight. And we were excited and expecting, but we were a little Methodist, but we were excited that there was more about God and we were open to receiving it. So our little Methodist group, we sat over here and all the Pentecostals sat over here, you know. But I'll tell you, sure enough, the Spirit of God woke that place up that night. Not only the Pentecostals, but us, the Methodists. He woke us up. And I'll tell you, the fire of God swept through that place. I'll tell you what, there wasn't, there wasn't any, any space on the floor that someone wasn't laying and laughing or crying or speaking in tongues or all of the dancing, a little man dancing around in between, never touched a head, never touched a person, and he was dancing. Another man was on the back of the chairs. Now, how do you walk on the back of the chairs without them tilting? Only God. I mean, it was, the, it was the upper room experience. Well, of course, that's a little Methodist. You know, we're all looking at each other and said, I, I think this is right. I think I like it. And me, I said, I want it. So Galen and I hadn't been married very long. And the friend who had set it up for us to go there, she called us down and, and uh, she said, I want to pray for you. Uh, you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes, yes. And he was a conservative Baptist, you know. He grew up, so he was a little more conservative about it. So I'm speaking for both of us. Yes, we want it. And she said, well, you join your hands. And when our hands touched, I'll tell you what, it just came pouring out of both of us. I could not speak in English for an hour after that. Every time I'd try to, it came out in tongues. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And uh, for an hour, people would try to ask me, well, how'd you do this? It just all came out in tongues. Well, when we got home that night, you know, um, we had, of course, talking about it and talking about it. Well, I got up in the middle of the night and... and uh, I went into the bathroom. Well, you know, the old doubter starts putting doubts in our heads. And I said, Lord, I, I feel like I went to extremes in my emotions and I've, that gibberish that came out of me. I, I was making fun of you, Lord. And I just ask you to forgive me for making fun of what I know is real. And someday I'll have a real language. I know you're going to give me a language. And, um, you know, I just, you know, things you think. And... Uh, so I started to get up, and all of a sudden, I just went, jibba, jibba, jibba. What? Jibba, jibba, jibba. Was it, is that something, Lord? Just goo-goo-ga-ga stuff. So I'm always encouraging people that just like we grow in our natural language and we grow in the natural things that we know how to do, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and He gives you a language, it might come out baby talk, goo, goo, goo. But if it comes out of you, that's your prayer language trying to manifest in greater depth for you, to bring you to a place that you can pray in the Holy Spirit to build your inner man up. Now we know also that we have times that we will meet and we'll have intercession. Intercession is different than 
just praying in tongues, building up yourself. And it's funny because driving here this morning, I kept thinking about all this. And I, no, think about your sermon. Think about your scriptures. But I know why now. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get to that other sermon. But anyway, I, I just felt encouraged to, uh, to encourage you. If there's some of you that, you know, you have been prayed for. And maybe you felt a little bit of gibberish coming out. But it wasn't what you hear other people. That's it. A baby, when a baby starts talking, they don't talk in big full sentences. They don't talk in even sometimes more than two words, and it's just goo goo gaga. That's it. Let it grow. Let it grow. Feed it. Use that. So I, I, I'm starting to get up, you know, and uh, go out from the bathroom, and I hear this little kiki. And I, oh, what in the world? And it just kept coming out like that. So I just wanted to say that to you and encourage you. Now, as we begin to grow in the knowledge of God and in his word, we know there are times when we come together and we're going to have intercession for our country, for our president. Intercession, we have set ourselves in a different stance. It's not like the just praying in tongues, building yourself up, praying in the Holy Ghost. We do that as we're driving and, you know, in our home to build ourselves up praying in the Holy Ghost. But when we determine to go into intercession, that interceding, sometimes that, that language, it's, it's us, but we feel that force from it. Don't be afraid of that. Because that is, you have said, I'm going to intercede for this or for my country. Give place to that. You know, and there's a place for both things. There's a place where a pastor might say, let's just pray in tongues here. I feel like there's something that we all just, you know, don't, one doesn't need to get louder than the other. And we just pray in tongues and, and see what God wants. But there might be times when you say, all right, we need to intercede for our president, our country, our, our town. All right, let's go into intercession. And so just like we learn other things in the Bible that there are, uh, the uses of the different things that he gives us, we learn that about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, don't want to stay in that goo-goo-ga-ga state of mind. Oh, Lord, help me to develop a, a prayer language, you know, that when I'm just having a prayer language, I even need to get more developed in that, Lord. There are some times that when I'm just building myself up, praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm just amazed at the, the type of, of intricacy of my prayer language that begins to come out because I'm still growing up. There have been times that I've heard people that have told me, uh, I don't know where you heard that language. In fact, I'll give you this perfect example. It wasn't a whole long, a whole long, long time after we were filled with the Holy Spirit in those early days when I was shy about saying my goo goo gaga thing, and we were in a small little church. And this pastor had been a missionary many, many years, and he wanted us to come back and pray with him in his office before uh, we went up to do our. We was it was our gospel group, you know, before we went up. We had had this Holy Ghost experience, you know, a month or so before that. And so I had kind of just stayed away from, you know, I'm just making fun of you, Lord, and I don't want to do that with those little gibberish words. So I kind of just put it on a shelf, you know. So anyway, we're in a circle holding hands, praying. And like I said, this man, he was a missionary and he had, oh, swords and uh, he had been in the jungle. And he had all this paraphernalia from his mission trips, you know, uh, on the wall and stuff. 
So we're praying, we're starting to pray, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus. And Galen is standing beside me, we're holding hands. And all of a sudden, he starts going, and I'm going, in my mind, I'm going like, shut up, that is embarrassing. What is that kind of noise? You know, I just keep thinking that. And uh, so I kind of squeeze his hand a little bit, because I was embarrassed. I thought, what kind of thing is that? Is he clearing his throat or what? And the pastor stopped, and he said, who said that? And, and so Galen said, well, I, it, I just prayed that. And he said, I have not heard that language in 30 years. I heard that in the jungles. And he began to tell about it. We cannot not credit God for everything that might come out of us, that we might say to someone, how we pray, how we speak over someone's life. Everything means something. Amen. That just soon when he said that, Everything within me just poured out. All the, I mean, a language poured out of me. I, God did that because not only did I need clarification for myself that my little goo goo gaga sound was okay to say publicly with the prayer group, but it meant something. It was a language from the jungle. 50 years before that that guy had heard that was saying, praise God. He said it means praise God, praise God, praise God. So I just want to encourage you this morning to allow God to do what he wants to do in the way he wants to do it. Yes, we would all like to, you know, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, I've heard people that have had languages just sounds like French and beautiful and all of that, but whatever God begins to stir in you, if you are seeking the Holy Spirit and have asked him to fill you, give place to that. Give, give it a place. It means something to somewhere, and it definitely means something to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that was long. I didn't mean for that. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to go to the piano. I love to come to this church because I can sing my old stuff, you know. And I loved your songs this morning. I just loved them. I loved them. You know, some of this stuff that I'm hearing nowadays, I don't know. Is it a rock beat or is it a rock song? Or what are exactly are they? You know, used to I could turn on a radio and I could tell immediately it was a Christian station because of the song. It was very evident. But now I'll turn on station, I'll go, wait a minute, I thought that was set on a Christian station. I never heard a word about Jesus in there. I never heard about the blood. I never heard, you know, it was just, so the nods of your heads, I know you know what I'm talking about. So uh, I just love to sing my Jesus. There's something about that name. And uh, you guys just sing with me. So I'll change position here. And I take, I turn this one off and go to the cave. <laughs> There's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance.
Jesus. Come on, let's get in an attitude of worship and praise here this morning. Thank you. We love you. Turn my heart, oh Lord. Sorry. Turn my heart, Lord. I'm sorry. Wrong song. Same words at the beginning. Like rivers of water, turn my heart, oh Lord, by your hand. Ah, oh, yes. Thank you. To my whole life flows in the river of your spirit and my name brings honor to the land let's do that again try that Turn my heart like rivers of water. Turn my heart, oh Lord, by your hand till my whole life flows. In the river of your spirit And my name brings honor again And my name brings honor One more Till my name brings honor to the Lamb. Yes, Father, that's our prayer this morning. That everything we say and everything we do, and that our name alone, when people hear our name, would bring honor to your name. Yeah, to your name, that we would bring honor to your name. In all we do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Lord, we do just thank you so much for your greatness, your mercy, your kindness. We thank you, Lord, as we spoke of the Holy Ghost this morning and the pastor also. That, Lord, that there were those who encouraged to give place. What a fullness that the Holy Ghost does in our life and brings out the fullness of who you are to us. And, Lord, those are the things that help us bring honor to your name as we sang. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this place, that there's an emptiness in their heart, that you would bring out the word today, either spoken or sung by me or by others, that your word would do its perfect work in all of our hearts today, that your word would do its perfect work in our hearts and fill us, that surely when we leave we can say we're not the same as we came in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, hallelujah. But this isn't anything that I'm really planning on talking about. I am going to do a Pastor's Appreciation Day, and I've got 30 minutes to get it all in if I can here. <laughs> but I appreciate, I, no, I know why I said all that. I appreciate when I go into churches and there's a man and woman of God that have stayed true, stayed strong, stayed themselves full, that they can feed the flock that looks at them every Sunday, and you have been that. Both of you have been that. You've been there for your people. And <clears throat> I appreciate that so much. When I see and get to know of pastors, that I know that they're there for their people. I know that if it was in the middle of the night and you had to go, that you've gone or you would if needed, if it hasn't happened yet. Those are the things that we appreciate about pastors. And <clears throat> what we do... Or what do we appreciate in a pastor? Let's just look at Jeremiah 3.15, or if he puts it up on the screen, that'd be fine. <clears throat> That's in page 820 in my Bible. I had to write it down because, <laughs> you know, some of those, those chapters, uh, verses I'll tell people to turn to, and the congregation is there before I, I get there. Uh, but we know that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, God said in Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's his job, is to feed you with knowledge and give you understanding of that knowledge through his sermons, through his prayers, through his one-on-one -on -one conversation, or one-on-one -on -one sitting and having coffee with each other. That, that is what God gave him to us for. It's one of the fivefold uh, ministry callings is a pastor an evangelist, uh, you know, those five-fold callings, they're all for a purpose, uh, and we need to give place to them. And so I, my question here is, what do pastors appreciate in a congregation? So I have two questions. What do we appreciate in a pastor, and what do pastors appreciate in a congregation? Amen. So I've gone like four different directions already in 30 minutes. Holy, Go <laughs> Holy Ghost, I sang, I talked about the Philippines, I showed you a video. Are you absolutely confused now? And, okay. Well, I haven't seen you for a while, I, so I had to talk about all of them at one time. All right, all right, good, good, all right. But I do want to really get into this because I really studied it out, and I, knowing, uh, knowing them like I've gotten to over the years, I, I know that they're a pastor that is appreciated and needs to be appreciated because he gives his all. 
he gives his all to you. So, uh, of course, the definition of appreciation is being thankful for, admiring someone. So, uh, as a congregation, uh, without getting, we get too gushy and teary-eyed talking about him or get too carried away so I can't finish my sermon. Can two or three of you tell me, what do you appreciate in your pastor? All right, first hand up. Always there for you. Amen. That's number one on my list, too. He's always there. Anybody else? What would you appreciate about your pastor? Now, I know. There's more. Okay. No matter how many times we end up disagreeing, forgetting a couple arguments, you know, we always end up talking and laughing about it later. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's a good, heartfelt word there, brother. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Something you want to say you appreciate about your, uh, about your pastor? Well, we've been in it for years. We were at this uh, Connect meeting this other year, and when he said we were together for 15 years, I was going, what? Fifteen <laughs> <laughs> years? How is that possible? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? We have been in it through thick and thin, uh, ups and downs. We have had these family. You want to talk about two steps back and one step forward? Uh-huh. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. And we see, and we see they're, hu- they're human as we are human, you know, and we got to remember that. Yeah. Oh, those are good things. Okay, okay. What you got, Mom? Yeah. Amen. Well, that was a very good word there. Very good word. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. He's full of, uh, full of love of God. They love the congregation. He's available, and he's honest and sincere. And just about everything you said went in one of those categories as well about what do we appreciate about our pastor. Let's see uh, what else God says must be about um, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you're following there, 2 Samuel chapter 23, about what God says a pastor must be. We, we see where he, we read in 3.15 there, I will give you pastors according to my heart. The second Samuel chapter 23, and that's one that I didn't write down the page number, but so just... <laughs> This is me in the Philippines too. Yeah, they all get a kick out of me. They, it's, they don't understand some of our sayings. You know, definitely they don't understand some of our sayings. And they don't have a pronoun for gender. You know, everybody's a she or everybody's a he, you know. And, um, um, you know, they'll say, well, you know, like, okay, are you talking about his wife or her her husband, you know, those kind of things. So <laughs> I get kind of mixed up. We see in Second Samuel chapter 23, uh, 
we see some things about David, and you probably studied about David and what a mighty man that David was. And he had what he calls, uh, what they call, in fact, it says it in the Bible there, David's mighty men. He had these mighty men. And David had built these men. And these men had been around him, and they knew what he was made out of. And I can say that about you as a congregation. You've been around your pastor uh, long enough that you know what he's made out of. And that was indicated by most every comment that was made. You know what he's made out of. And if he says something that God told him to say, that he's not afraid to say it to you, his precious people. And so uh, David has some mighty men, but I want to see not only uh, uh, real quick here just what these mighty men did, but his response, his response to them and how it affected him is what showed me the real heart of the man. You know, we can compliment someone so much that their head just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and that's not what we meant to do. And uh, sometimes God will just kind of give you a little rebuke there to, to uh, remind you that you're not the king of the mountain right now. And he has to tell us. I, and there are things that he will do as, as leaders in the ministry to uh, make us realize what's going to refine us. I'll never forget a time not very many years ago that uh, I was driving and, you know, just kind of listening to the radio and singing and all of a sudden, I just heard God's voice. He said, you know that thing you always say when this kind of a situation happens? Um, really no need for explanation there. He said, you remember that thing? And I knew immediately. I said, oh, yeah, Lord. That always seems to break the ice and kind of everybody chuckles and makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, I know, Lord. And uh, he said, don't say that anymore. I'll tell you what, I could have just, you, I've fallen over at that moment. I couldn't believe it. Don't say that anymore. It's not anything. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. You know, and I thought, God, is that you? And you rebuke Satan and everything else. You know, <laughs> get behind me, Satan, don't push, you know. But no, I knew it was God's voice. And of course, you know, we, sometimes God will speak things to us. And uh, we'll say, say that again. Usually it doesn't happen. You know, you heard me the first time kind of thing. Like my mom used to say, you heard me the first time. <laughs> you know, but I was absolutely stunned. So the rest of my driving trip, I turned the radio off and I kept thinking about that. Well, you know, I, I don't think I understand that. It always seemed to get a laugh and which, you know, and everybody seemed to get more comfortable about the situation at hand. But over time, that stayed with me, that God began to show me the pride that that was full of and how demeaning that was to the situation or the person involved in the situation that caused me to make that kind of a comment. Um, and the purifying, that's really just where I'm getting at, the purifying process that God does. Thank God he never stops. Don't ask him to stop purifying you. And he will through, you know, a situation similar to that or, um, you know, the word. <laughs> the word is what refines us above all things. Uh, that just happened to be a different kind of a situation for me. But God got his point across. And then once I began to see the, the result that that was, uh, my, 
my comment and getting all the laughs, the result of what it was doing to the person who was the victim of that, how demeaning that was to them, and I didn't even realize that. But I'm just pointing out my own faults to you to let you know that God wants to refine us. Whether that comes through when you're reading a scripture and you go, oh, Lord, I didn't realize that, you know. He wants to refine us and filter us and sift us like we could never imagine. But as a father loves his children, he's not going to do it until you're ready to take it. God wouldn't have said that to me even a year earlier. Don't say that anymore because I would have fallen apart. I would have fallen apart or rejected it and got mad or something. He knows when you're ready for a certain kind. And a pastor, part of a pastor learning his people, it's going to be the small things, not always the big things that are going to refine him and help him be what you need him to be. What God needs him to be for you. Let me put it that way. Amen. So I just told on myself that situation because, you know, allow that. I'm just, I, I am not just speaking to him as a pastor, but you as a flock inner uh twining with your pastor and interacting with your pastor in every kind of situation, whether it's the decorations needed, the food needed, or something heavy-duty spiritual, allow yourself to be refined in maybe it's how you approach him, how you set it, how you, um, at the, your timing to say it, as well as him needs those same instructions. The timing that he needs to correct you about that. The timing that he needs, when, you, when is it proper for him to, to correct you on that. It grows both ways, amen? It goes both ways. So uh, we begin to see even David, uh, you know, there's much more we could read and pick out these kind of little things uh, where David um, had to be strong for his men and even rebuke his men. Jesus himself rebuked uh, we know that he, he had to rebuke sometimes his, his uh, men. He had, he had to rebuke Peter. He had, to, you know, he had to shut them down sometimes. And they too probably at that moment thought, like I did in that car driving, and he said, don't do that anymore. I'm sure maybe Peter thought the same thing. Why not? I've always said that smart remark. Or, you know, uh, when Satan manif tried to manifest in his boys and Jesus shut them down. You know, God wants to refine us, amen? Let him use your pastor to refine you for his part of the refining process. When we walk out the door, God has his way through the Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, amen? Are you following me? Let's see, but David, he had proved to his men and to the people that loved him and followed him that he was a godly man, but no one was more repentant, no one was more appreciative of what God has done in his life and repentant when he needed to than David was, a perfect example for us. We see in chapter 23, these be the chapter, uh, verse eight, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tecumenite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Ad Adino or Adino, the ex knight, whatever, you know. Anyway, that was his name, so we got Dino. I'm going to call him Dino there, or, or no, no, 
is it Dino? Uh, Adino, Adino. So we got Adino. And so, number one, um, I'm just saying there that he must be just, must rule righteously. A, a man of God must rule righteously. But we see that Adino, he was strong and mighty. When we read about, read about what he did, he was strong and mighty. That's the kind of men and women that your pastor need around him to help him because I believe there's an influx of people that are going to come in here to this church. I feel the Spirit of God on that one. I, I just came up in me and I felt like my breath taken away for the moment. God is going to bring people in here and you, the faithful ones, the faithful ones that have been here, have got to be right hands, mighty men, for your pastor. And can, he can't always be nursing your problems and giving you an encouraged word because these seats are going to be filled. These seats are going to be filled with baby Christians that need to learn the Bible. Amen? Amen. So we not only need a mighty man in him, we need a mighty congregation in you in this last time. I believe this for all the churches. You're hearing it from the, the prophets and those who uh, speak out, you know, the mature men and women of God that we trust and we know that they know that they hear God, that our house, the house of God is going to fill up. And so we as a congregation don't need to always need him babying us, nor does he always just need to be, oh, well, I know the answer to that. I don't need to study. Yes, he does. You need to prepare. How am I going to minister to my people and to the new people? Amen. So he had one of his mighty men. He was strong and mighty, it says that Adino was. And then uh, in verse uh, 9, we see, and then there was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Okay, the son of Dodo. Ahoidai, one of the three mighty men. All right, so we got this Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Um, it was on there, or however you want to say it. I choose to say Dodo on that one. Uh, and we see in him that he was unafraid. It said that he was one of the three mighty men that, w that defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. He was a strong an unafraid man. These are the kind of people that your pastor needs to surround himself with in you. And I know he has with you because this influx of people is coming to the body of Christ. It is coming. Ready or not, they're coming. Amen. So let's get ready. So these are the things that a pastor uh, appreciates in his people. That they're grown up. That they can take it. And uh, so he needs strong people. He needs unafraid people like uh, Eleazar was. And then we see in verse 11 and 12, and after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, of Herahite, all these names. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop there where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled. So we have a very brave man he was. Uh, as we, there's some other references to this man, uh, Shamanite or whatever his name is, Shama, the son of Aji. They all have a background, all of these men. If we went through and studied, and even in the book of Leviticus, some of these names are mentioned, the heritage of these people. These were mighty men that he had. These were top-of-the-line people that hooked themselves up to David, that attached themselves to David. They believed in their leader. And I believe sitting right here in this room, there are people that believe in your leader. 
And when this influx of people come, that you're going to be there for him, and he's not going to have to, to uh, you know, just always make sure he has a kind word and a smile for you. There might be a time that he just walks by and he doesn't. I'm hooked up with, my, my husband and I hooked up with uh, uh, Dr. Mark T. Barclay uh, many years ago who helped us through a situation that just about tried to wipe us out. He helped us. When Galen died many years later, uh, Pastor Barclay, he's, he's going all over the country and, you know, Kenneth Copeland calls him and calls Dr. Barclay um, the current, the general. And some of them call him the general, you know. And we all, we're in different, uh, you know, we're hooked up with different people, but we're all people of God. So a lot of the names I'm saying, maybe you don't know. But uh, anyway, Dr. Barclay, he's a pastor's pastor. <clears throat> he is a pastor's pastor. And, um, but anyway, he still loves his people and his congregation. And when Galen died, Pastor Barclay called me every single day for the first two weeks. And I've talked to many other widows from his church and people I know, so it wasn't anything, you know, tacky. He did the same thing with them. Just two-minute phone call. How's it going today? You know, listener. When you talk to him, I go to the, I go to the conferences where many, many hundreds of people are there for the conferences. But when, you're, when he's talking to you and you're talking to him, his eyes are on you and you only. And his people and his mighty men that kind of surround him and watch out for things that people might come up, you know, are, people are not allowed to tap him on the shoulder. Pastor, can I just ask you one thing? Not allowed. His focus is you. You and you alone. That's Jesus to me. That's Jesus. I'm not exalting. He's a man, you know. But I'm saying that's what Jesus does. When we come to Jesus, with the, our focus, his focus is me. In the car that day, when I, he finally knew I was grown up enough to take it, don't say that thing anymore. His focus was me. His focus is you, Jesus Christ. When he sees you going through a situation, when he knows you've got a pain, you've got a problem, you don't know how to solve something, there's anger there's a, against someone, he knows. And his focus is you. That's what's in a pastor. That's how a pastor should be, and I believe that this man is. Amen. That's what a pastor appreciates. Mighty men who are strong enough to surround him and don't need all of his attention, but are there to help him when those who aren't are weak and they need to come up and interrupt and you know can you help me pastor kind of thing those kind of things uh, we, we see that uh, the results of some of the thing oh I don't want to go there yet I just want to keep talking about this for a second but we see that there are times when uh, you know these mighty men like what I'm saying that we know today like you know I'm just talking about my pastor at the moment um, you know, after a while, I didn't get a phone call every day. After two weeks, I didn't get a phone call every day. But I'd get a text. I'd get a text. How's it going today? I talked to other women. Same thing. He's got all these things on his calendar. You know, he, he does all those kind of things. Then it got to where maybe every couple weeks, you know, then I would get an email. You know, we're believing in you here. We're praying for you here. That helped me. That helped me like nothing else would have helped me. 
If nothing else, that has just, just brought dedication more and more and more to the man of God in my life. And I, truthfully, I grew up not being a real trusting people, a person of, of a lot of people and of men. I wasn't real trusting. So, I mean, he, he himself, that pastor, my pastor, has no idea, no idea what he has broken by being a faithful, faithful man to a parishioner. He has no idea. And you could be sitting right here in this room in the same situation. You've never had a man treat you like you need to be treated. But his words of courtesy, his kindness, his reach to touch, he could be changing your life. And I totally understand that. I totally understand that. Amen. Amen. You still with me? So we saw in the mighty men, they were strong and unafraid and brave. Those who he surrounded, that's who he had as his men that he could depend on. I believe right here in this room that there are either men being groomed or you already are a right hand, you might say, to your pastor or to be there. Or if you see that, you know, there's a new convert that comes in, they need all of his attention. And of course, you know, like a little kid, they want all daddy's attention. But after a while, I remember when we first started going to these conferences, uh, you know, where there were different speakers, but you know, it was Pastor Barclay's uh, conference. I remember going to them and, oh yeah, you know, we, we had, you know, the, the first five rows all the way, you know, went all the way across were people who had registered were coming. Uh, all the pastors, you know, that was all pastors, reverends, evangelists, um, missionaries that sat in those seats, you know. So, boy, we'd see our name, and, boy, we'd be right here, you know, front, you know. So I'll tell you, they do their preliminaries, and then, uh, you know, hey, isn't it good? We got the Duns here with us. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. All right, saying the Duns are here in front of all these people. It makes you feel good, you know, just like uh, a daddy, just babying his little little kids. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought, wow. And of course he had mentioned maybe some other people too were in the same situation. But then after a conference or two, well then maybe our names were, you know, on, you know, maybe the third row back, you know, and it just, all right, it duns. Well then the time came, he didn't say anything about the duns being there. And my name, played on the seat, went back about four rows, and we had, they had the new newbies, the pastors that, you know, he had pulled them out of a ditch, like what he did, he pulled us out of a ditch. We had, there were new pastors that had been pulled out, you know, so, hey, isn't it good we got the Joneses here with us? Hey, I remember when that same statement, except it said the Duns, you know, and so I was beginning, I was like a little kid, you know, uh, Daddy's not saying my name anymore. He's not recognizing me anymore. But my point is, you would not believe, after all the years, 30 years of going to these conferences, of how many people who were one time front row babies and got all the attention, hey, come on up, Duns, you know, give us a word, you know, those kind of things that we went through. No more did we hear that. No more did we hear that. We sat back there and listened listened and listened to the Word of God, listened and watched and heard what the Word of God was saying. God wants to do that for some of you, for this influx of people. Because when they all start coming in and Wapaton begins to open up, you're not going to get all that attention anymore. 
or shame on you if you give them all that attention because the newbies need it. The babies need it. The babies need that attention. Amen? And you wouldn't believe how many people and some of the names you would know right away if I, if I said them from, you know, TV people or whatever that you might know. When their names wasn't called anymore, they didn't get five minutes to give a report about their ministry, or sometimes they'd even take up offerings for us. Pastor Barkley would just stop and say, I feel we've got to take up an offering for the Duns. You know, something like that. But when that began to stop in other people's lives, you know, who were names that you would know, who have huge churches, huge churches that are godly and holy. Those, those still exist, you know. <laughs> they do. Out of all the stuff that we hear, there are good, godly, holy churches like here. But I never saw those pastors anymore. They never came back. They weren't being called on anymore. They weren't being able to give their, their you know, hellos. Their names weren't said anymore. They didn't get offerings taken up for them. Oh, maybe they had their name on a, on a chair, but it might have been way over there. You know, I learned Dr. Barkley knew all along what he was doing, growing up those babies. And those now that he knows he can depend on. He knows he can dep could depend on Galen and I. We might be sitting way, way, way in the back, but he knew we were there. And when he needed something, and he needed the Duns, Duns, you come up and pray for this couple, will you? He knew exactly where we were. Your pastor knows exactly where you are and when you're hurting. Your pastor knows exactly when you need an extra arm around you or when it's time to leave you alone and grow up. Let you soak in that word. Amen? So as Pastor's Appreciation Day... And the things that you said, yes, we need to let others know and let, let it be publicly known and to him and his wife how much you appreciate them, you know. And I know that you do. I know that you do. But there comes a time when if you're not mentioned or you're not thanked for those flowers or that cake that you sent over there, let it go. He knows it. He knows that was you that did that. He knows it was you that gave him that extra hundred bucks in the in the offering he just didn't say anything he knows that allow yourself to grow up allow ourselves to grow up just like when I um, when God spoke that to me I had a choice at that moment when God said you know that thing that you say don't say that anymore I had a choice right there to get mad or get glad it's, you know rebuke the devil all day but I knew it was God's voice yeah yeah. We have a choice. There are going to be times as this church begins to fill up. I feel it, Pastor. I feel this church is going to fill up. That you, the faithful saints of faces that I've seen, most of you I've seen many years, your pastor is going to need you. Going to need you in times of uh, when it's, when you get no recognition. But that's okay, huh? That's okay. He might not say your name, come help me pray, but you can tell he needs somebody to help him pray. So go do it. He might not have said your name, but go do it or stand close enough that he knows you're saying, I'm available if you need me. I'm available if you need me, Pastor. Amen. How can we do this? By the Spirit of the living God that's cleaning us up 
maturing us, refining us. Allow that refining process. Jesus Christ had to be refined. He came in a man's body that was, that was subject to being tired when he knew he needed to be praying. When the Godhead in him, like the Godhead that we have in us, tells us to pray. We have a choice. Oh, I'm just going to sleep an hour. Sure, he had those feelings. Sure, there were times that he was hungry when he knew this, that God was wanting him to go off to pray. We can't minimize that we were in, are any less than what Jesus Christ came as a man in a body. We know that Jesus was God in the flesh, but he came as a man, that he could see their weaknesses, our weaknesses, our times, of what, what hurts our feelings and all of those kind of things. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, all right. The results that, that David, <clears throat> in Second Samuel there, if you're following me there. Okay, we read about the names and the mightiest men. Now let's look at verse 13. I'm going to read several verses because I, I couldn't say it any better than what the Bible says it. It says, And three of the thirty chief went down, and they came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Abdullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in a hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would just give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men... Now let me just stop right there. Those three mighty men, those three men that we read about were all not only mighty men for David, but each one of them had been conquerors in a war. We read a little bit in other places we can read about their reputation. These were, these were mighty men already that came and joined themselves up with David. And it says these three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and they took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink. We'll stop before we go on on that. But these three mighty men just heard him say, oh, if I could just have a drink of water. I mean, in a second, they broke through the barrier to get that man a drink of water. What what happened in between verse 8 and verse 17 that made these men so absolutely obsessed? Whatever my pastor needs, I am going to get it. They, they went through this trouble to get it. If, we're, if you are not that, at that point, if you heard your pastor say, oh, if I could just have a drink of water. And it never dawns on you that there's a bottle of water sitting out there. I just encourage you to keep this appreciation thing going. Because it will grow in you. And it will happen as you begin to appreciate his advice. Appreciate his stand. Appreciate the things that he does for you. And you go, wow, I never saw that before. Say, Lord, show me these things. Because... I need to grow in my love and appreciation for this man as he is doing to me. He is appreciating me. How about me learning his needs and appreciating him? And then that's, that said that they broke through the barrier 
It's not like they just, oh, there's a stream, I'll just get water. They broke through a garrison to get that man a drink of water. What happened in those men? And you know, just by my own personal testimony of what I was saying, that Dr. Barclay was there for me when Galen died like no one was there for me. He was there for us when we had, were coming through a turmoil in our ministry that he gave us what seemed like every moment of every day that he called and counseled and talked to Galen. How many other people might have been on hold, but it didn't matter because Galen Dunn was his project at that moment. And he's done the same for me. Just a woman. I mean, you know, I mean, he recognizes, you know, that I'm a woman of God and, you know, the missions and stuff. I mean, very, um, and I know you're this way too. And I could, we could all say a hundred pastors that we know that have developed to that point to where their people are everything to them. And that's the way he made me feel that I just, um, you know, hooked up with them, but I don't go there every Sunday because I don't live there, but hooked up with them. My tithe goes there and I call him pastor. That's good enough for him. If I call him pastor, then my focus is on you when needed. And I do believe that this man, if that's not you completely now, it's in you. I've seen it every time I come. It's in you. You are a man of God that needs the appreciation that I know these people are already doing for you. I'm just trying to pull more ideas out to you to give him more. Would you go across a garrison and, uh, to find the water that he needs? And you know, as I was studying that, I thought, you know, I've read this a lot and Galen preached this a lot. Um, and I thought, but you know, I just now, it dropped into me that immediately I did think, would I do that for my pastor? And immediately my thought was, I would do that. And I don't remember ever thinking that before. I, I, you know, it's a nice story. It's a nice story. And, you know, thank God David had those kind of people around him. But it, it never related to, to would I do it. But immediately when I was studying this, I thought, I'd do that. I would, I would do that for my pastor. I would. I would, without a second thought, I would go and get him a Perrier water or whatever it is in this day that we would say. I would do that without even making myself think that. And that's what I want you to do, to be that for that man. What does he need? What does he need? as he's looking at you and saying, what do they need? Amen? Amen. I hope I'm encouraging you and not just uh, the clock passing by. So the summary here is that earned respect will stand the test. Earned respect, and that goes on both sides. Earned respect that he's earned and earned respect that you've earned from him. Earned respect is... To me, that is the greatest virtue in my life that I could attempt to try to have is earned respect. And no one ever knew that. I, I just, maybe it was because the way I was raised, my mom used to always say, you might not like me, but you're going to respect me. You know, maybe that ingrained in me. But that means more to me than 
just about anything is to have respect, earned respect, not stolen respect, not fake respect, earn. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to keep doing whatever I have to do. And no one has ever known that. I've never spoken that to anyone. That's something in my own self about what earned respect, how that's at the top of the list for me. And you know, when I was in the Philippines this year, they always, I went early, you know, because we get help get fun things ready for the graduation, but they always have a going away party and a fun party, do their little dances and Filipino things and all that. But then Anna, my main girl there, the couple that we've had, had her with us many, many years. And um, she's, you know, talking about all the good things about mama and those kind of things. And she's crying. She doesn't hardly ever cry. She's a very strong woman in herself. She doesn't ever, ever cry. But she said, I would go wherever mama needs for me to go. And when pastor died and she just cried and cried, she said, I needed to be there for mama. But I couldn't, you know, she, I couldn't get there. I needed to be there for mama. And, uh, she said, Mama, you're always saying, you guys are so good to me. Staff, you're so good to me. She said, Mama, you've earned that respect. I'll tell you what, everything inside of me melted because I'd never told anybody that that's the most important thing to me. I said, all right, I'm going to stay around you. I'm going to earn your respect. I don't want you to give me respect till I earn it from you. That's the way I've always been. When I was a kid, you know, like I said, maybe my mother ingrained that in me. But I wanted the kind of friends or people around me uh, or people that I worked with when I worked in jobs. I didn't want to just, you know, I had this thing about respect. Don't be so unrespectable, you know, to me. I, I want to earn that. I wanted them to stop the cuss words around me because I earned respect from them. Not because I or somebody else said, oh, shut up, preacher Jody's here. You know, anything like that. I hope I'm not rattling on too long. I got, I'm going to go five more minutes, if that's okay. I worked in a job at, at a bank um, in Tulsa uh, when Galen and I got married, and we, I just kind of got married into the ministry, and we had this gospel group. But I had the job in an oil company. And oh, people there, they would see, you know, that... One day Jody's on this kick, and the next day Jody's on another kick, you know. And then once I gave my life to Jesus totally, you know, I had been in and out of backslidden days, and I really gave, you know, I had Jesus signs on my desk and all this, and the oil company. And I had a boss named Mr. Donnelly, and all of the big wigs that came to Oklahoma to, to start this city service oil company there, as, as that being their headquarters, were all from Philadelphia. And they just thought the Oklahoma people were just okie, you know, just, you know, they just laughed at okies, you know. But Mr. Donnelly, he called, there was a room full of us ladies in the office, and he called us all by our last name. And he'd call somebody in, you know, Smith, get in here, you know, whatever. And so he'd, uh, he'd come, he'd go to his office, and he'd see all, he had seen all my Jesus signs. Done, get in here. So, are you, it's like, don't be putting the Jesus signs all over your desk. This is the workplace, you know. Well, all right, you know. And then he'd call me in the next day. Done? 
come in here. Are you the one that's putting those little Bibles in the ladies' restroom I'm hearing about? Well, what else they got to do? But, you know, read that track. They were tracks. He didn't know what the track was. You know, I put them in all the stalls. What else they got to do while they're sitting in there? They can read that, you know, <laughs> those kind of things. So he was very tolerant of me because I had been wild, and then they see, oh, okay, now she's bringing her Bible to work. Okay, all right, so anyway. So over time, I'd really gotten to know him, and they're all, you know, Easterner people, are all from, you know, out in uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, you know, they're very more proper people than Okies, and he would say, don't be doing that, or act a little more ladylike, you know, he'd say to the, some of the women in the, you know, in the office, act a little more ladylike, you know, he was always giving us all advice, and everybody loved Mr. Donnelly. Well, Galen had helped him a couple of times with some things that he needed. Uh, Donnelly had a drinking problem. And um, uh, Galen had to take him home a couple of times from work and stuff. And people would laugh about him. You know, you'd hear people talking about it and stuff. And so uh, we were having this big revival coming up at a small church. And, uh, you know, on the west side of Tulsa, in the oldest part of Tulsa, this revival, and I'm excited, I'm inviting him to come to this revival meetings that we were having. Well, exactly, what's a revival now? You know, because he, he had two sisters that were nuns, and his mom expected him to be a priest. So he always lived under this condemnation that God wouldn't have anything to do with him because he did not become what he was supposed to. You know, I'd gotten kind of that far with him speaking about uh, his life. And um, anyway, so I was talking about revival. And I said, why don't you and your wife come? Well, okay, where is it? Where is it? And I said, well, it's in West Tulsa. There is a West Tulsa? Yes, there's a West Tulsa. Small little church, older homes, you know, things like that. And so I gave him the address before I left for the weekend. And... Uh, so uh, first night, you know, Friday night, not there. Saturday night, it was getting wilder at the altar every night. Day. Sure enough, Sunday night, we're in there. And I'm so disappointed because he hadn't come. But I, you know, reality said there is no way that Mr. You know, Hotshot Donnelly, big wig of the oil company, is going to come over to the west part of Tulsa to a little church. But in he walks, and his little snooty wife, she was Miss Society lady, they walked in, and he's dressed in his suit, you know, his fine suit, and they just sit in the back. And uh, it was a wild night. I mean, dancing in the Holy Ghost, wild night, people running to the altar, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and I'm going, okay, Lord, and I'm watching... Donnelly, he's just sitting back there just watching it all. And so uh, my husband uh, dismissed, you know, in prayer when I raised my head back up. They were gone. They had left, you know. And I regretted going to work on Monday morning. I thought I might have just lost my job, but that's all right. That's all right. I wasn't ashamed, but I just couldn't imagine why God would make that kind of connection. So usually when I walked in the door, you know, uh, you know, I'd walk by his door over there and go, hey, darling, and I uh, keep walking. But uh, that morning, I didn't. I just straight ahead, I just kept walking. I walked past him, walked past him. Before I get to my desk, done, come in here. Oh, boy. So I went in there, and he was turned looking out the window. He said, close the door. 
And I thought, oh, well, I'm getting the axe today. And I closed the door softly and sat down. I said, sir. He turned around, big old tears. There's his face. He said, I got to have it. I got to have it. I don't know what was going on, but I've got to have that. And I led him to the Lord that day. I led him to the Lord that day. As different as night and day people, as different as in every realm that we were, God can pierce the hearts of anyone. If you are honest and truthful and pure, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure and full of the Holy Ghost, that you're ready to give a testimony at any moment. I testified to him all the time about God's goodness. And he'd, all right, all right, all right, all right, just, just go to your desk. You know, that's way. Never an, never an indication that anything touched his heart that I might have ever said or done. You know, he was just being polite. But when I saw that, I thought, you know, God can do anything. And if nothing else but earned respect, that was worth it. But it was much more about that. It wasn't about me. It was about God. And I just said all that to encourage you. And, you know, uh, I I had said that Galen had helped him with some drinking situations a couple of times. And uh, so the next day I heard some people coming in, the girls coming in laughing. They said, oh, did you see Donnelly? He's drunk as a skunk laying out there by his car. And oh, that hurt me so bad. So I called him. I called Galen. His workplace wasn't far from me. And he said, I'll come, I'll go look in the parking lot. So he got him, put him in his car, took him home. And uh, his wife, his snooty little wife, she got to where she'd call me once in a while. You know, give me a report. She said, I really appreciate you being so kind, your husband being so kind to Don Donnelly. Then uh, we moved up to Minnesota, and uh, his wife had my phone number, and she she called me one day, and she said, if you want to see Mr. Donnelly alive, you better come now, because he's in the hospital, and he's not expected to live much longer. And so we left immediately, drove all night long, and got down there, went, drove straight to the hospital, early, we early, uh, we hours in the morning, just told the nurse, you know, we came from Minnesota, we drove all night, and it's like four in the morning or whatever when we get there. And she said, well, you can go down the hallway and look, she said the room number. So, of course, I take off, you know, Galen's kind of walking behind me, and I looked at the room number, I looked in there, and I told Galen, I said, that's not the right room. She gave us the wrong room number. Sure enough, I heard out of the room, done, done. Oh, that skeleton in there was him. I went running in there. I never did call me Jody. It was always done. I went in there. He's just skin and bones. You know, his little shaky arms just reaching out. Make sure I'm okay. Make sure I'm right. Where's, where's the preacher? Uh, Galen, you know, walked in behind me. So Galen, of course, led him into a prayer to make sure that all was right. And it was real. And then he died. He just died. He was just waiting for us to come. You know, earned respect is worth it. But more than that, 
earned respect from God is worth it. I encourage all of us today to do what God wants you to do and be ready. Honor your pastor as the word of God instructs us to do. Honor, respect, whatever word you want to use there. Appreciate him. God has a plan. God has a plan for all of us in that. And he wants to use us as mighty men and mighty women for our leaders. But every, I know I've thrown out just a lot of things. Excuse me, I haven't preached in a while. But every little thing means something. If God speaks to you like he spoke to me in that car and said, don't say that anymore, then find out what it is not to say anymore. Find out if your pastor has to give you a rebuke. Find out what it is. You know, if you need to, you know, just find out. Just do the little things that make the big things bigger. Father, I thank you so much for, your, for who you are. You are a father of all fathers. Jesus, our Savior Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you, Jesus, for the pain that you endured, the anguish that you endured, the hardness that you came up against, the persecution that none of us will ever see, even to a limit of what you went through, Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Holy Ghost, indwelling presence that teaches us the ways of God, the life of God. Teach us, Holy Spirit, as we read in the Bibles and the Scriptures that we don't miss any little thing like what we even saw this morning, any little thing of how David was so humbled by the men that brought him water, that he poured it out unto you because it, you are the one that deserved all the glory and the honor for that glass of water. We feel that way too, Father, in this house. As you are preparing people to come in, prepare these people to be ready, to be a support and a help and a hand to their pastor. As he leads the hurting people out there as they are coming in. I see him coming in in droves, Pastor. I see him coming in because we are in the days, the last days. We thank you, Father, that you are filling the houses of worship with people that need and hunger and thirst after righteousness. And Lord, I pray that these people in this sitting in this room will be ready and prepared to draw people by their lifestyle. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen.